Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. Last week, we spent our time talking about conflict in marriage. Let's continue where we left off. Doctors Les and Leslie Parrott use a simple technique that can prevent much of the grief between conflicting couples. For several years, they have been handing out hundreds of what they call conflict cards. Using this small plastic card, no bigger than a credit card, helps put couples on even ground when it comes to expressing the intensity of their feelings. Now, they didn't initiate the idea, but they continue to use it. On the card is a scale from 1 to 10 ranking the intensity of a person's feelings. 1. I'm not enthusiastic, but it's no big deal to me. Number 2. I don't see it the way you do, but I may be wrong. Number 3. I don't agree, but I can live with it. Number 4. I don't agree, but I'll let you have your way. Number 5. I don't agree and cannot remain silent on this. Number six, I do not approve and I need more time. Number seven, I strongly disapprove and cannot go along with it. Number eight, I will be so seriously upset I can't predict my reaction. Number nine, no possible way. If you do, I quit. Number ten, over my dead body. Anytime a heated exchange occurs, a couple can simply pull this list out and rank the depth of their disagreement. Uh, For instance, this is a three for me. The other says, well, it's a five for me. By rating their conflict, they can play on a level field even when one person is more expressive than the other. If you'd like a copy of the conflict card scale, send an email request to me at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org, and I'll email you a copy. A helpful suggestion from the parrots. If you use this ranking system and both partners rank an issue at seven or higher, they should seek help from an objective outsider like a minister or a marriage therapist. Remember the childhood saying, Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's a lie. Names do hurt, as many unhappy couples can testify. Unfortunately, couples generally become experts at character assassination. Put-downs are especially lethal when they attack an Achilles heel. If your spouse has confessed to you that his cruel high school classmates nicknamed him Egghead, and if in adult he still has fears about being socially clumsy, That name is off-limits. According to the parrots, there are two Achilles heels that are mentioned so often that they must be universal. They are sexual performance and parents. It is tricky enough in life's mellowest moments to discuss sexual dissatisfaction with a mate, but to use it in an argument is a very bad idea. And even though we are allowed to criticize our own parents, it's off-limits for a spouse to be doing it. One of the sad facts of close relationships is that we treat the ones we love worse than we treat just about anyone else. 
We are more likely to hurl insults at our marriage partner than any other person in our life. We are even more polite to acquaintances than we are to our mates. Here are a few tips from the parrots for cultivating politeness in your marriage. Greet each other with an acknowledgement and warm hello, and leave with a tender goodbye. When your partner has done a chore, always show appreciation for the job, even if the way it was done doesn't meet with your approval. Say, thanks for washing the car, rather than, you missed a spot. Surround mealtimes with pleasant conversation. Shut off the gadgets and pay attention to your mate instead. Research has shown that it takes only one put-down to undo hours of kindness that you give to your partner. So the most gracious offering of politeness you can give your partner is to avoid put-downs altogether. If you are having a fight about how much time your partner is spending at work, I can promise you that it will not advance your argument if you also note that he or she is overdrawn at the bank and always leaves you the car with no gas in the tank. Stick closely to the relevant issues, and try to end the fight. Refocus the exchange when it gets off course. Look, let's just decide who's dropping this off at the dry cleaners. Later we can talk about how the laundry gets done at home. Try to calm your partner down. Let's take a break. We're both too upset to discuss this reasonably right now. Unhappy couples turn every spat into a slippery slope of one unkind word that leads to another. Example, he says, I guess my mistake was looking forward to a nice dinner. And she responds, If you came home on time, you might have gotten one. You care more about your job than me. Somebody's got to make a living. Well, it wouldn't be you if I hadn't worked like a dog to put you through school. This kind of runaway venting is one of the strongest predictors of divorce. These couples veer off into heated, unproductive fighting over tangential or old, unresolved issues. They resolve nothing and negative feelings rage. This is a big reason why you should have a regularly scheduled daily or weekly listening time so little things don't get buried and then build to big ones. In stable marriages, the other partner won't always retaliate when unfairly provoked. Instead, they find ways to diffuse the tension. For instance, he says, I was really looking forward to a decent meal. She responds, Your hours are so unpredictable, I can't plan one. Well, there's no choice. I'm under a lot of pressure at work. Well, for tonight, should we just order pizza? The parrots say it's not how you get into arguments, but how you exit them. If you dwell on downers, you will eventually sink. Let's face it, all is not fair in love and war. Clean and constructive fighting is better than down and dirty fighting, that's for sure. Though we are bound to slip, try to follow the rules that we've discussed This will help you fight a good fight. One of the things we didn't talk about was triggers. We all have triggers that cause us to react and do and say things we haven't thought of yet. And when we're in the middle of a highly emotional situation, 
we're not capable of being reflective and rational. After a time of heated fellowship, take a few moments and see if you can isolate the trigger that caused you to respond. In all likelihood, you won't be able to change the trigger, but you may be able to change the environment that caused the trigger to rear its ugly head. And if you can change the environment, then the trigger will appear less frequently. I've found this to be a very valuable exercise in coaching couples. Some couples strain to duplicate each other in order to cover up their differences. Newlyweds, for example, often force an unrealistic similarity upon their tastes, opinions, priorities, and habits. They do so with the best of intentions, but their sameness is no more real than Adam and Eve's when they covered their differences with fig leaves. God created each person to be different, and to deny that uniqueness leads only to pretense, not partnership. You know, it's not unusual to hear someone say, we have a 50-50 marriage, half and half. They say sharing the load even Stephen is a much better way to create oneness. But what happens if your halves don't always fit together? A 50-50 marriage only works if each partner is a fraction, but we aren't. Each of us is a whole person. We don't subtract something from ourselves when we get married. We remain whole and want to be loved as a whole, not cut to fit together. Some couples try to build a marriage on the 50-50 principle, taking turns doing this and that, splitting resources, weighing portions, counting privileges, and keeping score. But as the parrots say, there isn't a 50-50 couple who doesn't feel that taking turns is cheating them out of their presumed rights. Often, the more strong-willed partner, consciously or unconsciously, wields the knife that divides the halves and one half becomes more equal than the other. So how do a man and woman become one in marriage? How do a man and a woman become soulmates? Well, the answer is found exactly where you might suspect, deep in the soul. Scientific research has backed up what common sense has been telling us for years. Mainly that tending to the spiritual dimension of marriage is what unites couples in unbreakable bonds. Marriage thrives when its soul is nourished. On February 12, 1944, 13-year-old Anne Frank wrote the following words in her now-famous diary. Today the sun is shining, the sky is a deep blue, there is a lovely breeze, and I am longing, so longing for everything. To talk, for freedom, for friends, to be alone. And I do so long to cry. I feel as if I'm going to burst, and I know that it would get better with crying, but I can't. I'm restless. I go from room to room, breathe through the crack of a closed window, feel my heart beating as if it is saying, Can't you satisfy my longing at last? I believe that it is spring within me. I feel that spring is awakening. I feel it is my whole body and soul. It is an effort to behave normally. I feel utterly confused. I don't know what to read, what to write, what to do. I only know that I am longing. 
There is in all of us, at the very center of our lives, a tension, an aching, a burning in the heart that is deep and insatiable. Most often it is a longing without a clear name or focus, an aching that cannot be clearly pinpointed or described. Like Anne Frank, we only know that we are restless, aching deep within our soul. The parrots tell us that most people expect marriage to quench their soulful longing, and it often does for a time. Well, our time is gone for today. As always, I want to encourage you to attend one of the many Bible teaching and believing churches here in the Treasure Valley. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.